coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Organelle is the worst inlet on the East Coast. And, you know, the fish are in the white water in big breaking seas, and they don't pay attention, and the tide switches, and it starts going out. And next thing you know, you're in the middle of, this, of the break in the white water, and you get flipped. We had to rescue a friend of mine, and his partner in his boat died. So it was pretty, it was a bad time. That was Brian Horsley describing one of the most dangerous inlets on the East Coast. False Abacore Silversides and the Bluefish Blitz today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you get a chance, it would be great if you can share this episode or a past episode of this podcast. Every app has a real easy uh, button. You can click and share an episode. Thanks in advance if you had a chance to share an episode today. Today's episode is sponsored by Maverick Fly Fishing. They make the lightest Euro-nymphing reel in the world, which makes your rod more sensitive, casting more accurate, and you can hold your dead drifts longer without shoulder burn. Check out Maverick Fly Fishing Stinger and their other Euro-nymph products and support this podcast by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash maverick right now. That's maverick, M-A-V-R-K, wetflyswing.com slash maverick. Check out the lightest and most unique Euro-nymphing reel right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Zag.Fish, who creates ethically sourced premium fly tying materials with their 5D brushes. These are the Fairflies brushes that we've talked about before. Zag.Fish is the place you can go to pick up Fairflies products and the other stuff they have going on in the fly tying uh, niche. 5D brushes contain the perfect proportions to tie great streamer, bass flies, saltwater flies, and we're going to be using some of these flies even more as we do some of these saltwater trips. You can check out uh, zag.fish right now by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash zag. That's Z-A-G. Brian Horsley is here to break down the North Carolina Outer Banks and the saltwater fishing he focuses on. We discover which runs have been up and down in the region over the years. We find out which lines they use to uh, dredge the bottom. This is uh, interesting, uh, some fishing that uh, Brian discusses here and then... And we also find out about uh, how to catch red snapper on the fly, plus the saltwater HD. If you love giant fish and occasional shark, then this episode is the one for you. Here we go. Brian Horsley from obxflyfishing.com. How's it going, Brian? Good, good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming in here and chatting a little bit today. We're gonna we're gonna dig into a species that we've talked a little bit about in the past, but not a ton. Uh, false abacore, and then we're gonna talk about some other you know whatever else you you know the other things you do out there um, on the on the East Coast. Um, before we jump into false abacore, take us into how you first got into fly fishing. Then we'll jump back into the what you're doing now. Uh, whew, I started fly fishing, you know, when I was in high school in the in the 60, late 60s uh-huh. and uh i actually started saltwater fly fishing in the mid 70s we used to have legendary uh big bluefish blitzes on the beaches in kitty hawk and after you catch them you know everywhere known to man it was definitely you know time to try a fly rod yep and it just moved on from there yeah what what's a bluefish blitz oh uh it they're very cyclical species and it hasn't happened since the nineties, but, uh, 
We used to have thousands, tens of thousands of these 12 to 20 pound bluefish in the surf. And uh, yeah, it was, it was spectacular. It happened every spring and every fall. Wow. And they would just come in like they're surfing in and jumping out of the water? Yeah, eating, you know, pushing bait up on the beach. Oh, man, that's amazing. It was amazing. That's what really the Outer Banks was known for back in the 60s and 70s and in the 80s as well, up until about 92. And then things changed. What happened in 92? I think the bait changed. uh, And in the late 90s, we saw the reemergence of the striped bass. And you can't have two apex predators occupying the same space at the same time. Oh, wow. Right, right. Stripers are out there. Yeah. Do you fish for stripers too? Uh, we do not have stripers anymore. Oh, really? So, wow. So no stripe. And, and this is a, again, changes in ocean conditions and, uh, fishing pressure, stuff like that. Starting about 97 to 2006, the stripers were at their peak population wise. And we used to get, it was an all winter long thing. We did not see the bass until starting in November and they stayed, they wintered off the coast out of out of Oregon, Illinois until, you know, first hard southwester in March, and then they go back up the line. And uh, 2006, it, it was dwindling, and I, I started doing something else in the winter. And uh, my wife fished it for another year, but I started commercial fishing. I just got, yeah, it was, it was not worth the, the effort to me. Gotcha. What, what were you, uh, what was the commercial fishing you, you got into? Sea bass and groupers. We were uh, we were the last. We were the Lone Rangers, the last of the pot fish trap fishermen. Oh wow! And are the sea bass and groupers still out there? Oh yeah, yeah. Sea bass are and the group. They're both there. Sea bass are at their historic high level right now. Oh wow! See, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I know nothing about that area, but it's you know you got one population going down, and then you got another one coming up. It's it seems kind of sometimes. Does it feel like it's hard to figure out what's going on for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, everything's cyclical, but cycles can be influenced by man. And yeah. uh, so you have to realize that. Yeah. Who would be the, if there was a group to talk to that could dig way you know, more into like what's going on or with the history there of those species, that area, what, is there a group out there, like a conservation group or some, something like that? I would say North Carolina Marine Fisheries. Okay. Unfortunately, our conservation groups out here are very biased. Oh, really? Yeah. The one-sided, they, they can't like uh, come together as a group sort of thing. Yeah, no, no, we don't have that yet. Right, gotcha. Yeah, that's tough. You see that sometimes and hear about it sometimes where it's like the worst thing ever because if you can't talk to the other side, right, or whatever, it's you can't even, it's a no-starter, right? I mean, how can you, if you can't work together? It can't work, yeah. It's very content. North Carolina is extremely contentious in its fishery politics. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so... In North Carolina, I mean, we've done a ton of episodes on the East Coast, but we really haven't dug deep into North Carolina, especially on the coast there. Um, and it looks like a pretty cool area. What, uh, you know, what's that like if, if somebody hasn't been there? Take us to that, like if they're coming down to go fishing in that part of the country. Um, paint that picture a little bit. Well, the Outer Banks is what I'm, uh, the northern and southern Outer Banks is my home. And uh, it's several hundred miles long. And what they are is just, thin strips of sand islands. Uh, and we've got a lot of bait from, you know, we had the huge Pamico sound 
and the core sound behind the islands. And uh, it's just spawning areas for all kinds of bait and for the old drum, uh, for the big reds that they spawn there, speckled trout, bluefish, flounder. And uh, there's an unbelievable amount of opportunities. Uh, you know, when I started in, I don't know, guiding in 92 or something like that, people said I was crazy. <laughs> and uh, but, but our inshore fishery changes a lot, you know, with ups and downs and cycles of species. And it's hard to, you know, and plus we are affected by cold stone events. You know, we'll lose... 60% of our speckled trout in a really severe winter and uh, a lot of our slot redfish. And, uh, but for the last five years, we haven't had a cold stun. So our fishing is actually pretty good. And, uh, what we're facing mainly now, what I believe is the biggest problem is uh, water quality like everyplace else. Yeah. So water quality being like temperatures and things like that. Temperatures and, and, uh, you know, runoff from, you know, everybody, North Carolina, the Eastern North oh, Carolina, right. off yeah. the, around the coast, its population's exploding. And plus, we've got a lot of agribusiness, you know, big mm. farms. And, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's very, very complicated. Yeah. Gotcha. And the towns around there, I'm looking, you got kind of like what, uh, uh, Green, Greenville, Wilmington, the, those are some of the bigger towns. Yeah, Wilmington is about two and a half, two hours and twenty minutes south of me. I'm actually close to Moorhead City right now. Moorhead's okay. Yeah. I grew up in Nags Head, and that's that's my home in Nags Head. We just moved from Nags Head to the Moorhead City area. Actually, I'm actually I'm on Harper's Island, and uh, because of the fishing, the fishery, you know, in the fall, yeah, in the in the summers, I'm in Nags Head, Oregon, Island area, and then in the fall. I am uh, about 100 miles as a crow flies south on Harker's Island for the false albacore and everything else that's here around the Cape. And uh, we just winter here, based out of here in the winter, just because the winters are milder, believe it or not. We're only 100 miles south. But uh, but see, up there in Nags Head, the beach faces east, so you have all that cold north wind coming over the water. Down here, the beach faces south. So the cold wind come, gets moderated when it blows over the land. Oh, I see. Huh. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I see Nags Head right there. And you got, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, interesting that, yeah, there's, so that's just shallow water in there along that spit or whatever you call that. Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that a natural that, I mean, is that, a, and there's a highway, there's actually a road going down south off of that? No, oh, yeah. You can drive all the way from, you know, Kitty Hope, well, from, Curry Tucker from Kerala, which is the northern northernmost outer banks, all the way to Oregon Island. Then you cross a bridge over to Hatteras Island and all the way, 63 miles down Hatteras. Then you get a ferry. Oh, wow. And, and jump a ferry over to Ocracoke Island. And then you can get another ferry and uh, take that from there to uh, Cedar Island, which is just right up the road for me. Oh, okay. And then, and I'm just looking like Frisco, that's kind of out there on that point. Is that? Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's on Hatchers. Oh, it is. Yeah. So you, you can actually drive to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh wow. That's that's a pretty amazing. Yeah. I see it now. I'm, I'm kind of zoomed out, but yeah, there's, it's full on. Yeah. This is cool. Okay. So that paints the picture a little bit. And then if somebody's coming in to um, head out with you on the boat, uh, what does that look like? If, uh, 
you know, somebody, let's say we call you up here and we're thinking, you know, we want to come out fishing, you know, sometime this next year, what, what would you be telling me? Well, you know, if you had an opportunity to come here to Harker's Island and fish, that's our world. Our fall fishing is our world-class fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it is world-class. And uh, you're fishing breaking fish. Uh, they pull hard. They'll show you a lot of backing. And um, a, lot of opp- a lot of different opportunities. And uh, Yeah. How do you fish for that? Take us to the, so we out there, uh, the breaking fish. What's that? What's that look like? Well, you know, it's about a 20-minute run from my marina to the ocean. And uh, and then, do, depending on what the tide's doing, what the wind's doing, you know, which I've been doing for 25 years here. So, you know you know where to look, and you're looking for birds. Mm. Or are you looking for current? You know, over the, long, the more I do it, the more I realized how these fish are totally tied to the current, to the current mm. flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you've got three or four hours of really good fishing, you know, when the tide is, you know, it seems like in the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the fall season, they like to flood tide. And then in the, the uh, later on in the year, they go to the ebb tide, to the falling tide. But, mm-hmm. you know, the more tide you got, sometimes the better the fishing can be. And that's, you know, because it's, push- it's flushing more bait. And, and the albies, you know, they eat bay anchovies. Uh, they'll eat anything, but they prefer bay anchovies and, and silver sods. Okay. But, um, but you look for birds. Yeah, you look for birds. So basically you're cruising out yeah. there and these, these fish are feeding. On, I mean, so what? They're, the birds are feeding on fish and then that shows where the, where the albacore are. Yeah, exactly. There, the birds are feeding on the the bait that's spraying from the top that the albies are pushing up. Oh, right! Wow. So, so the albies are chasing them around. Yeah, that's cool. and uh, it's a big area. I mean, it's huge, and yeah. we rely. There's about ten or twelve of us guides that work together, and uh, radio radio communication is very, very important because you you know it's a huge you know. I'm, I can run 28 miles one way and then 18 miles the other way. And, uh, yeah, so it's massive. The ocean's giant and they're hang out in certain places, but they're likely to pop up anywhere. So good communication with your other fellow guides or Mm. other fishermen that you trust is, is key to this fishing. It's, it's a team sport. Yeah, gotcha. So you got you got to track them down, and then once you find them, like you're saying, you find the currents. You, you kind of learn that over the time. Once you find a group of them, I mean, how many are traveling? What how you know how many are in these groups? It can be five or six, or it can be three or four hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, a bunch of fish. A bunch of fish, <laughs> and they have their usual spots that they like to hang out in because of the current and the bottom structure, but uh. There can be a lot of damn fish. Yep. And once you find once you find the pod, if we're sitting there with you on the boat, um, what does that look like? I mean, gear. I'm assuming we're using some pretty heavy heavy duty gear. No, I use eights and nines. Okay, and, eights and nines. Yeah. Yeah, and occasionally a ten. And you know, we're fishing weather. We're fishing a lot of wind. Twenty knots is normal. Um. You know, but people look at me like I'm nuts, but I'm saying, look, you're casting across the wind and, uh, 
I try to position the boat where if you're a right-handed caster, the fish are going to be from, they don't stay still, but you do your best to keep them from 9 and 11 o'clock mm-hmm. on the clock face on your boat. Mm-hmm. You want to make the cast, and a, as soon as your fly hits the water, you want it to be tight and stripping. The two-handed strip yep. works extremely well. And, gotcha. Uh, and the newer folks, it, but, you know, a lot of my guys have been fishing with me here my whole career, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years or better. And, uh, they're pretty good. Mm. So you don't have to be necessarily exact or you just placing it like right in the middle. No, you, you just uh, aim for the froth. Yeah. Go for the froth. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, put it, we call it, put it in the pudding. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, sometimes they can be persnickety and you got to fish the edges of the bait, but most of the time you put it in there, you won't get a, you know, you should yeah. get a bite. Always have a chance to get a bite. Gotcha. That's awesome. So this is not like a, your like permit fishing or bonefish. No, hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Not this at is, all. This is junkyard dog fishing. <laughs> this is pretty cool. And then what's the, um, you know, I mean, I guess the big thing here is once they hit it, you know, hold on for your life sort of thing. Uh, you clear your line and let them go. Uh, they're going to jog off. Most fish, unless they're truly big, and we haven't seen those in two years. I mean, I'm talking to fish that are 18 to 25 pounds. Yeah. They'll, they'll jog off 30, 40 yards of back. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, and then they go, there's two ways to fish them. I'm fishing with a little bit lighter drag. And so they can jog off and tire themselves out, or mm. you can fish them with a really tight drag, and this this gonna be an up and down battle, which to me is not much fun. Yeah, gotcha. So let them go. Yeah, and when they get close to the boat, they circle. All tuna circle. Hmm. So you work with the circle. You go up there and you explain. If you guys knew, you go up there and explain. You see when the circle's coming to you, you can gain line. And a lot of times when the circle goes away, you're going to lose a bit, a little bit of line. But uh, mm-hmm. it's a great way. It's a great learning area to become effective big fish fighting, big fish fighters. Right. Gotcha. They're not huge. A lot. Of, so the fit sounds like the fish are smaller in size than they used to be. Nah, it, our average fish is, uh, I don't know, eight to 12 pounds. Every once in a while, certain, usually mid to later November, we'll, we'll have the, what we call the buffalo show up there's 18 to 25 pounders and uh they're a whole different animal yeah and we have not seen them this year we did see them last march and uh caught some the biggest fish we've uh, I've ever caught you know albies we had a 28 pounder which is wow. giant <sighs> and uh so who knows? I know they tend to, the big fish tend to stay offshore more. I know the people commercial fishing for bluefin tuna, live baiting for bluefin tuna were cussing because the big albies were eating their bait all fall, all, all of December. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Wow. What do you, what, what are the kind of some of the gears and flies and things like that? What does that look like? So it's an eight or nine weight and then, uh, yeah, yeah. A nine weight's perfect. And, uh, Oh, I fish 16, 20 tippet. Uh, 16, I prefer. Uh, mm-hmm. you, need a, you need a reel with a good drag. And uh, we use, uh, we're sponsored by Rio. So, and oh, yeah. To me, uh, the outbound shorts are perfect. Yeah. Because it's not a precise cast. But you, like I say, you're fishing a lot of wind. Oh, right. And a lot of chop, a lot of rough. And, uh, 
So that's lines get it get it done. That's a good line. So the outbound is short. Yeah, and a nine foot leader. Uh, so I, I use uh, I like to use extruded leaders, knotless leaders, just because the more fish you handle, the more your hands get cut up, and knots going through cuts really hurt. So uh, I choose knots. So I, I carry a bunch of extrude, you know knotless leaders on my boat but anything works like that a good tapered with some that's going to turn over the fly right 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 and the flies tend to be small i tie most of mine on uh either number four and a big hook would be a number one uh mm-hmm. little clousers I, I personally like throwing unweighted flies like epoxies little uh like Popovich's surf candies are mm-hmm. really, really effective. And uh, the Albie whore from up north, you know, we mm-hmm. steal fly patterns from up north all the time and mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. It's it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Not rocket science here. These guys are, once you find them, you're, you're in it. And what is it? So once you, once you're in it, I mean, how many fish are you potentially like in a day or a session are you catching, hooking into? You know, I'm greedy, so yeah. uh, uh, you know we we've caught uh, I don't know was, we've caught a lot in a day, but you know fifteen or twenty is good. Yeah, fifteen or twenty is a good day. Yeah, with two people, it's a great day, and yeah. uh, you know most of the time if they're on bay anchovies, they're a lot easier to catch when they're mm-hmm. on the spearing or the Atlantic silver sides. They can be tougher because mm-hmm. spearing don't bunch up don't go in a tight ball like bay anchovies do they tend to spread out and they can get really particular that's when you need a fly that really kind of mimics the the silver sides and, uh, and they they can be frustrating as hell yeah just because they're spread out and then are you are you actually seeing the fish or still just casting to where you think they are you're seeing the fish breaking and the bait spraying you know and, and in years past Fishing silver sides was my favorite because you could almost see a pattern how the fish are going to move. You know, they start up here and they come in the current, then they pop back up to where they started. This year, they totally handed me my butt. And uh, I got on into some of the biggest blitzes this fall in in our area that was all silver sides. And I had great anglers. And for the life of me, I couldn't get the bites I thought I should get. And it was really frustrating. But that happens. Right. Every time you think you're good, you get slapped down and it, it can be very humbling. Right. So you're not, you know, every day, just like it is fishing, right? So you're not yeah. them every day. Exactly. Today's episode is sponsored by Trestle, who has earned an exceptional reputation over the past few years in the fly fishing industry due to the popularity of their telescopic fly rod roof racks and statement-making artist series apparel lines. Their latest release for 2023 is the Jerian Universal Bike Rack Packing System, a brand new way to transport your fly fishing and outdoor gear. The Jerion will give any modern bike the ability to bring 30 pounds of gear with its front and rear articulated racks. Whether you ride a full suspension mountain bike, an e-bike, or even a carbon fiber road bike, the Jerion will get you and your fishing gear further faster and have much more fun along the way. I can tell you this has been a big struggle for me. I've been riding my bike, uh, both road bikes and mountain bikes, and had lots of issues over the years packing my gear, whether that's 
uh, crappy uh, storage on the back or a trailer that's just too big and bulky. So I'm excited to share this packing system, which is going to make it way more convenient and accessible to get out to the places you need to go. You can learn more about how Trestle is transforming the way you access your favorite water, backcountry hunting zones, and camping spots. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Trestle right now and be the first on the water and the farthest upstream and away from the crowds. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. Trestle, live your pursuit. What do you tell somebody, you know, going back to that, getting ready if we were coming out with you? In the fall, it sounds like, so you, you're talking what, like uh, September, October? October, November. Oh, October, November. Okay, so that's like the prime time. The September, the fishing used to be, we used to fish a lot in September here. I used to leave September the 1st from uh, Nags Head and come down here. You can't give away a trip in September now. The fishing's good. The fishing's decent, but, you know, I'm going to stay up there. And because uh, I turned away, you know, and run trips and September's very busy in, in Nags Head. So I'm going to stay up there this year until the end of September. And of September, yeah. yeah. But October, November, into the early December, you know, we had the best Alby fishing of the whole season, I think, over Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Which is, you know, people don't want to travel during Thanksgiving because they have family. But uh, oh, right. It's Thanksgiving, but Sarah, my wife, and I fished, and the locals fish, and it's it was really good. There you go. So you guys are kind of a team guiding out there. Yeah, we're partners. Yeah. She's been guiding for uh, 25, 26 years. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, she spent the last two summers in Alaska guiding. Oh, and, no kidding. Uh, we're at in Alaska. On the Connectuck River for oh. for real action. Oh, for real action. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's I should talk to her uh, next. We're, we're heading up there uh, this summer. Oh, great. That's, yeah. You know, the guides are great. I've been up there three or four times and I love it up there, and I love, I love Paul. is such a good good friend, and uh, you know I like the fishing. I was oh, there cool. for I was there for King season one time, and I've been there three times in, in August. Well, let's go down that road. I can't leave that uh, since we're heading out there just for a sec here. So, what was uh, your what was your King? You know, what was that experience like? Awful. Was it? You didn't have any good luck. It was um, extremely high water when we were there. Oh yeah. Yeah. extremely high water uh yep. cloudy were you there in, in july i was there in june oh yeah you were earlier right yep and uh that king season was this last year's king season was very good yeah and uh you know I, i'm not very well versed with a two-hander and, sure uh, but we had fun and some of my you know i took some folks up there my guys all caught 25 pounders and I pulled one off on a single hander that was a great fish, and I just pulled the hook. Right, uh, but it, it was fun. You know, it was a weird year, and uh, mm-hmm. we did it. But, but you know, other times I've been up there, it's been just spectacular. Uh, you know, the silver fishing, silver. I mean, the silver fishing up there is phenomenal. But uh, I really like trout fishing. I don't I do much. I, I don't too. do much of it. I mean. I'm a novice when it comes to freshwater fly fishing. And yep. uh, there's enough trout up there and gra- yeah, and, and dollies amazing. that I can screw up but still have a chance to catch some fish. That's right. It's, it's pretty interesting because you're a you know you're a guide, which is amazing, but it's a totally different deal, right? I mean, for the oh, yeah. for the trout or for the the freshwater stuff, what is the hardest thing for you? 
Oh, everything. It's not the cast. Not the cast. You got the cast down. I got the cast down. It's the yeah. thinking, the mending, the yeah. uh, the drag free drift or whatever. Yeah. What about when you hook one of those? Have you hooked some of those nice rainbows? Oh yeah. Well, you know, on a connect uh, on the connect talk, a big rainbow is going to be twenty five inches. Well, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. Yeah. How does that re- how does that twenty five inch rainbow compared to a false abacore? Uh, they don't, but uh, it's still cool. Yeah. You know? It's it, you got to take. I've had the pleasure of fishing pretty much all over this hemisphere, and uh, yeah, I try. I could, you know, I try not to compare. It's just very cool. Yeah, right, right. They're all unique. Yeah, with a six weight and a ten foot six weight or a ten foot five weight, and go up there and catch those trout. I mean, they're so beautiful. They yeah. pull good. They jump, man. They're just beautiful fish, and. I'm a photographer and, oh, nice. and uh, I spent, we were up there in August this year, the last week the camp was open. I probably spent three quarters of my time behind a, with my camera in my hand than I did, did to fish. Mm. And, That's uh, cool. Nice to have that. Yeah. I enjoy at this stage of my life. I enjoy the photography as much as I do the catching. Yep. Seems like that's what it's all about. It seems like the uh, as you get older, you find even though you still love the fishing, right? It's always there. It almost seems like that becomes the secondary thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and, uh, so but yeah, it, the trout up there are great, and the dollies and the in the grayling, uh, the grayling. Yeah. So that connect talk is the real. Uh, so the real action. Do they have like? Is it like a lodge or is it camp lodge or what do they have there? It's a tent camp. Yeah, a tent camp. Very comfortable tent camps. Yeah, like glamping. Yeah. Glamping, like nice, nice tents, nice food, like chefs, and they got the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to suffer. No. And, and uh, it's hilarious. And uh, huh. How close are you guys to the, um, to like the salt water? There, we're right there at the mouth of the river. Yeah, you're at the mouth. Yeah, because I think there's three. I think the real action, and then you got the older lodges upstream, like the Duncans, right? There's a couple other ones. There's two Duncan camps. One's uh, pretty far up, and then there's one in the uh, the refuge, and then Alaska West, which is you know up there, just shy of the Duncan camp. And uh, Paul is right across from Quint- you know real action's right across from Quinnahawk. We're right there at the mouth. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, you're catching silvers that have been in the river maybe three hours. Yeah. Yeah, they're fresh. Yeah. And when you're down there at that camp, is there, is it, I mean, it's still remote. You're still out in the middle of nowhere. Do you see, and there's other people floating by doing all that stuff? Not a lot. No. You know, it's just the other camps. Okay. uh, It's, it's pretty damn remote. Last, last summer, Sarah said king season was a little busy. Because the surrounding rivers were closed oh, to wow. kings. So a lot of uh, native people had yep. come up there. The kings are very important to their survival. So Sure. Wow. Okay. So that's that's pretty cool, the Connect Talk. And, and like you said, you're, you're – um, so you guys both, you and your wife, you both, uh, you make a trip up there every year? Not every year, but uh, but uh, not be my last trip. Yeah. Sure. That's good. And, uh, you know, I've got some – Really good friends who are Yupiks, uh, who live, oh, in, nice. uh, live in Quinnahawk, and uh, plus the guides who are there are, are dear friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
year before last, I spent 17 days up there helping them break camp. And, um, and this year I had to be in Brazil, so I uh, couldn't stay. Right on. Well, uh, sounds like uh, you've got some good stuff going throughout the year, not just out of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so, so you got, we talked a little about false abacore. What about like um, bonito and other species? Are you guys catching other things out there, you know, during the trip? We get the bonita run here is in the spring, the Atlantic mm, bonita in the in spring. spring. Gotcha. And they're over the wrecks and artificial reefs and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's quite popular. And you need to be there at sun up. And uh, yep. And quite frankly, the best bonita fishing is right in the middle of turkey season. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Spring turkey. Yes. That's right. So you do a little hunting too. Yeah. Uh, my wife is a predator, uh, but I enjoy turkey hunting a lot. Yeah. That's right. So you guys have that is pretty cool. I mean, North Carolina is pretty diverse, right? You have probably yeah. deer hunting as well and things like that. Yeah, we got great deer hunting. Yeah, that's it. That's it. What What is the the North Carolina just in general? Where you guys in that part of the country? You know, what do you love about living out there? It's where I grew up and oh, yeah. where I can understand the people. Uh, yeah, and the, just the diversity. It's harsh, you know. We get run over. Yeah, we get run over by a hurricane. Oh, right. And, uh, it's just where I've been my whole life. And uh, gosh, what was the what was the big? Was there you know last hurricane you really remember that was pretty big? Uh, Irene, whenever that oh, was, Irene. she came up, she came up the sound and it was really bad sound side flooding. My neighborhood got clobbered. And uh, luckily, our, our house was fine. But my neighbors to the closer to the sound from me got clobbered. Yeah, right. So flooded. Yeah, I mean that's that is pretty devastating, right? You get, Every, I mean, yeah, everybody's built up on pilings, but you mm -hmm. know anything that's down below gets very wet. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, so we talked about. Um, the Benito a little bit, but that's kind of a spring. What so during that fall time with fall sabo? I mean, that's your focus. You're not really hooking into. Yeah, well, it's great Spanish mackerel fishing. Mm -hmm. You can catch some <laughs> tremendous big Spanish mackerel, uh, kingfish. You know, king mackerel. Uh, mm -hmm. If you get the weather, if you know, it's all about the weather. And uh, obviously, the, the old drum, what we call old drum, which is what some people call bull reds. But if you call them bull reds around here, you get laughed. We call them old drum. Okay, old drum, old drum, and uh, it was really good in October, first part of October. They were early, and then we didn't. The weather wouldn't to get to where they live. You got to cross the shoals at Cape Lookout, and you got to have the right weather. And uh, we had a few days in October we could do it, and then November was a no go, and we called them a couple of days ago over there and uh and december's been pretty good and the uh, end of december christmas and, and they'll be there all winter you just got to get the weather and you got to have the boats it's it's a team sport because you're not really seeing sometimes they'll break on top but most of the time you're marking them with the bottom machine and using a sinking line to get a fly down and uh you got to have other boats because once you hook a fish the schools are not static they're moving fast and uh three or four boats we've got there's singers four or five of us that fish together all the mm -hmm. time and, 
and they're good and I, you know, and their information, you're on the radio all the time. And so when you hook a fish or hook a couple of fish, by the time you get those in, that school is, could be 300 yards away, 400 yards away in some unknown direction. And so it's good to have other boats to keep, help yeah. you find them to start with. But then after you catch a fish to stay with the school, so you can, after you release your fish, you can move up and hopefully get another shot at another one. Oh, gotcha. So you're just, you're chasing them around basically. Mm-hmm. Huh. And what type of boats are, what do you use out there? Uh, I use, I'm building a new one. It's, uh, I've been running Donnie Jones's Jones brothers boats since they're 23 foot center consoles. I've been running them since 1996. And, uh, the boat I just, decided to upgrade was 21 years old and uh i decided not to retire this year and so i decided mm. well hell i'll build me a new boat hell i'm 68 oh wow yeah. yeah so you're you're getting close to thinking about uh wrapping things up yeah but you know what the hell am i gonna do so. right exactly <laughs> you're, it sounds like you're already retired i mean you're out there fishing out off you know what i mean that sounds yeah. like retirement already and uh so <laughs> But they're very popular here. Those twenty-three foot center consoles, and uh, they handle the sea. Our sea, they were built for Cape Lookout, and they are very versatile, very popular in the Northeast now, mm. and uh, in the Bay, in Chesapeake yeah. Bay. Chesapeake, so. gotcha. What would be the? I'm just so I can. I'm curious looking it up. What would be the name of the boat again? To just if you Googled it up. Oh, uh, Jones Brothers Marine. Yeah, Jones Brothers. All right. And it's a 23 foot Cape Fisherman. All right. Um, I'll put a, uh, yeah, there it is, Cape Fisherman 23. I'll put a link in the show notes just so we can take a look. I'm always interested to see what, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a total, it's open. Yeah. So you're fishing. That's cool. You're fishing all around it. You're in the middle and then you can have like, what what could you have? Like, like three guys on that boat? Yeah. I can fish three. I prefer two in the fall. Yeah. And in the summers, I'll take three, and occasionally, if I know the people, I'll take four. But we're we're spin fishing. It's fam. My, a lot of my summer fishing is family groups, which is great. I love it. Yeah. And, but but it's more spin fishing than probably. spin fishing. Got you. Spin, yeah. It, yep. And that's uh, God. That is a cool boat. So you got the. You're in the middle. You probably got like. Um, do you also have a like a platform on top? My wife has a tower. Top I do room. not. Uh, yeah. I I do not. Yeah. I've got a t top. But that's it. And uh, I don't want a tower. Yeah, the tower. So the tower is just to like help find fish, things like that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's, it'll hurt you. Oh, really? Well, the motion's so, so far amplified up there. Yeah, right. And I'm old. I don't want to get my butt deep unless I have to. That doesn't sound like fun. Gotcha. I was up there the other day. Yeah. You were up on your wife's? Yeah, the other day because I'm boatless at the moment and uh, we've been fishing in hers. That's cool. <laughs> well, have you been out? I mean, what's, have you had some pretty rough close calls out there in your boat? I've had my ass handed to me. Yes. Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, is it hard to dump a boat? I've never dumped one. I've seen them dumped. Mm. I've seen people die. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. What's the situation where you've been closest to, you know, <sighs> rescuing somebody. Right. Uh, just big seas, just giant waves and wind. Well, back in the 90s, we had striper fishing. The first place they showed up, and they showed up in the shoals in the Whitewater, Oregon Inlet. Oregon Inlet's the worst inlet on the East Coast. And 
people, you know, the fish are in the white water uh, in big breaking seas and they don't pay attention and the tide switches and it starts going out. And next thing you know, you're in the middle of this, you're in the middle of this, of the break in the white water and you get flipped. And yeah, it, it, it happened countless times in, uh, from about 96 to 2000. And, uh, you know, it was ridiculous. We had to rescue a friend of mine and his boat and his partner in his boat died. So it was pretty, it was a bad time. Yeah. Wow. That's, and I've, you know, I've, I've scared myself close to death mm-hmm. crawl, crossing that, you know. Uh, oh, right. Getting out, just trying to get out. Or trying, mainly get, trying to get home. Mm, coming and in. If right. it's that bad to get out, I ain't going. Yeah. But trying to get home. Because you got a tiny inlet you're trying to get through, right? Yeah. And you got a lot of current and big sea. Oh, man. And, yeah. And crossing the shoals is no piece of cake either down here. Yeah. And you just got to use your head. You got to take your ego out of it. I've seen people hurt bad there. Yeah, that's, we've got a little, you know, I'm on the West Coast out here and we've, I'm right on the ocean as well. And I don't think it's quite as bad as what you guys get, but yeah, just those jetties, right? Coming in, it's crazy. The currents are all, and then you get a rough sea. Yeah, we, unfortunately, we're not jettied. Mm, You're not jetty. This is all natural. All natural. And, uh. Y'all got some terrible bad inlets out there in Oregon. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, so. So now that's the interesting thing about the Oregon thing because um, I'm actually in Oregon, but you're, you also, Oregon is the name of your, um, there must be some similar, there must be a guy, right? Is this the same person that. No, it no. Is the, it's the first, I don't know if it's true or not, but what I've always heard is the first boat that crossed that inlet was the USS Oregon. Oh, right. And then you can go to the history of the USS Oregon and figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll do a little searching. I don't even know my own history of the state we live in here, but I think, yeah, that's probably some guy, right? Oregon. It's an interesting word. Okay. Well, take us around uh, really quick, Brian. Let's go around from, we were talking the fall, just throughout kind of a season with what you do. Um, and it sounds like you're, you know, maybe you're not doing as much fishing as you were. I mean, is that the case like now? Are you still fishing oh, as no. many days as before or back in your earlier? Yeah, I'm fishing just as many days as I want. Uh, you know, starting in end of April and May, I go back to in the winter, like this time of year, when we get a pretty day, we do crazy stuff like uh, Rio's designed some, uh, some dredging lines that fish really deep. Mm. And uh, we like to go to some wrecks or some rocks. I've got a rock book that a friend of mine gave me, and it's yeah, don't share it. You don't share such things. And uh, you know, we catch. My big goal was to see if we could catch red snappers on fly, and we did that in March. My wife caught two or three, and a friend of mine caught a big one too. And she also caught a big grouper on fly, and, well, a twenty-eight inch grouper on fly in seventy-five foot of water. So, oh wow, yeah. So we do silly stuff like that, right? So you're finding the rocks and then just getting down towards the bottom. Yep, and um, you know, it just all goes back to our striper fishing back in the. Uh, Back in the 90s and early 2000s, it was all done with sinking lines. You could fish the intermediate line. You catch the dinks, the 25, 28-inch, 30-inch fish all 
all day long on intermediate lines. But if you put a big fly down deep, that's where you get your 40 inch or your 30 pounders. And uh, so we all, you know, it's just a evolution. Uh, and we worked with Rio with the line designers for a couple of years on this dredger. And uh, it's not much fun to cast, but it does its job. It goes deep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Wow. So what's the difference if you compare that dredger to the outbound short? Like, Well, is it, it just... is actually an outbound short, but what it is is like the heaviest one they make, the head on it's 550 grains, and then the running line is very, it's very thin, but it's a type 7 sink. Yeah. So the whole thing sinks and uh it casts like crap. But yeah. it, it but it's does what it was made to do. Yeah. Gets down in seven seconds per second, right? That's what it's sinking at. Yeah. Gotcha. And you know, for the uh that's when you got time. And for fishing the reds, we use the well, about five hundred, six hundred grain sink tips and uh they're fine. They get down because much more than 35 foot of water, the reds become really hard to target on fly because they're moving so fast. But 35 to 20 to 20 feet, they're dumber than hell. <laughs> Most of the time when you're sinking your fly and I'm looking down, I'm watching my client. So I start to strip. He's already hooked up. Yeah. They eat it as it's floating down. Yeah. And oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just floating down. Yeah, they're very aggressive, and uh, I think they're very. Uh, they don't want their buddies to eat it, so they oh, right. eat it first. Yeah, like territorial. Yeah, very much so. Oh wow! So you throw it out there, and it's sinking. What and what? What's the fly on the end there? A uh, big half and half. Half and half. Okay. You know, with the biggest freaking eyes you can find, and like a, a two alt or three alt hook. Yep. And something about five, five to six inches long. Hmm. Cause they're eating big bait. Big bait. They're eating big bait. Yeah. Right. So, you, so you shoot it out or just cast it out there, flick it out, you know, get it out there and let it sink to the, and then once it hits the bottom, do you just strip Start back stripping. up? Yeah. I'm watching my bottom machine and I'm watching the line go down and I can pretty much tell when it's in the meat and then I'll tell my guys to start stripping. Gotcha. And this is for, like you said, this is for, uh, the, the big reds, the big reds. Yeah. No, the, 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 uh, the red drum, the red, oh, the red, right. the red snappers. I, I, I would be at line if I saw I had them figured out. We okay. just, hit, we just hit the perfect day where it was slick cam and no tide. And we were catching triggers for dinner and I was watching these fish deep and I'm going and, uh, and Sarah was, uh, she likes to fly fish out me. I'm a meat hunter. You know, I like to eat them. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so she was sinking flies. and uh, But we'll do it again this winter. We just got to get the conditions, which don't happen a lot. Gotcha. So that's kind of a January, February. And then January, February, March, April. You could do it all fall. Too. Oh, okay. What do you guys typically do when you're out there after, you know, what is your, what is your winter, kind of winter into spring look like? Well, we're sitting around the house, you know, if we're not traveling. Uh, we used to travel a lot in the winter and uh, slowed up some uh, from the travel schedule. And, uh, you know, we just right now, we're, you know, we leave here, I think, on the 19th of January and go waterfowl hunting for a week. And then we're going to 
help Wes Siegler. Siegler reels at the fly fishing show for a couple oh, yeah. of days, and then we'll come back. Yeah, and, Siegler, that's right. Yeah, he's a, a dear, dear friend. And, uh-huh. uh, and then we don't have much planned for February. And uh, so we'll see. Pretty days we'll go. You know, it's just I'm sure we'll – maybe go to Florida and photograph birds. We like what we're wildlife photographers. So That's we'll right. do something. Yeah. Or could, could we see some of your photos? Do you guys have those like online or do you sell them? Yeah, I do. I've got a, a, a smug mug site. Smug uh, mug. Smug mug. Uh, just Brian Horsley at smug mug. How do you spell that? I'm not familiar with that site. S U M G M U G. I think is it. Oh yeah. Smug bug. Oh, log in. There you go. Smug bug. Interesting. I haven't heard of this. So this is a. It's just a photo hosting site. Photo hosting. Gotcha. Yeah. Log on. So you can log on. Yeah. Or you can just, I can log on and change it. You can just go view. What it is, is just stroking my ego. But people could check it out. They could, uh, they could check it out and maybe. Yeah. There's a whole section up there of this year's uh, 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 Harker's Island Cape Lookout season. Drifthook has pre-packed fly assortments for every stage of your fly fishing journey. Their professionally curated fly fishing kits are crafted so you can catch more on your next outing. Each kit is organized by species and includes instructional videos and easy follow guides. I've got the Nymph box right here in my pack and I've been loving this. They've got everything from the tiny zebra midges with a little flash or all the way up to their large go-to guide flies. This box has you covered for all conditions. And were you thinking Euro nymphs? They got that covered as well. Beautiful Euro nymph flies, all the key flies you need to get going, whether you're a brand new to it or a veteran, Drift Hook has the flies for you. Along with their nymph boxes, they have dry flies, streamers, and all the education to go along with all these as well. These are fly shop quality flies, hand tied and inspected before being carefully packed neatly into these boxes. And Matt personally packs and prepares these boxes like he was tucking the kids in for bed at night. Cozy, comfortable, and just the right amount of love. Whether you're an experienced angler who needs to stock up on some flies or get a great gift for the family, uh, Drifthook has you covered. Check them out right now. That's Drifthook, wetflyswing.com slash Drifthook. And use swing at checkout to get 15% off your next order. You support this podcast and small business by checking out Drift Hook right now. Cool. All right. And then, uh, and so just taking it around there, and do you do the show season? I mean, that's coming up here. Do you guys do, it sounds like you're doing a little bit. You do a little bit of that? Not anymore. We, we used to do this. We used to do shows for, I don't know, 25 years. And then it became more of a very expensive social meeting. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and you know we'll still do it because I buy most of my materials up there where I can put my hands on them for time for the upcoming season and just to reconnect with people. Yeah. Back when uh, the manufacturers used to come to the show, we're sponsored by Sage and Rio, mm-hmm. and uh, it was time to put you know faces on you know face to face meetings and stuff. And uh, but I don't know if they're doing the shows and uh, anymore. And uh, it's got the expense got just stupid. Yeah. This is the, uh, this is like, are you talking about the fly fishing shows? The, um, oh, any shows for just any of them. Yeah. They've just gotten stupid. I mean, uh, it's stupid expensive. Oh, uh, they have. So they're more expensive. I didn't realize that. 
Well, you know, you look at a big company like Sage or Orbis or, or yeah. whoever, you know, just getting their booth there is. That's giant. It's giant. Then you got to have the staff. You got to put staff up. You got to feed them. Yep. It's hard. Yeah, they definitely have the giant booths there. That's cool. What was on the show season? Did you, uh, what you kind of enjoyed most? What was the thing you liked about doing them? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing. So there was nothing about it. It was like literally you guys went there to make connections. No, I enjoyed seeing talk, hanging out with people, looking at materials. I'm a material geek. And, uh, but yeah, it was okay. You know, it was a good way to connect with, you know, with friends. And, uh, Past few years, it hasn't, you know, that we did them. It was not very good for business. Right. Gotcha. Well, I wanted to, um, you were mentioned the Sage. What, what is the, what's the rod that you would, you know, you use or you recommend for, uh, if you're talking like nine weight, what do you use? Yeah, for? I like the uh, Salt HD uh-huh. uh, and the Igniter 8. Okay. And uh, the Maverick is a good is a good rod. I keep that for I keep that on the boat too. The Maverick nine weight is a okay. very good rod, and uh, they've got a lot. It, it, you know, people ask me which rod did I get, and I said, well, if you got an opportunity to go cast, cast, find one that you like. What I like might not be what you like, and uh, uh, and for bone fishing, that seven weight igniter to me is the best rod I've ever thrown. Okay, it's, it's unbelievable. Nice. Uh, um, so, but you know, some people don't like it. It's, it's a personal preference. Mm-hmm. And you're using, uh, like Siegler. Was that the reels that you got use? Yeah. We're using, I'm using Sage reels as well as Siegler's, uh, Sage reels are great. Never. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. They make and, uh, but Wes is a dear friend. And when he started this journey 15 years ago to make a fly reel, he's already making conventional stuff. Mm. And uh, to make a fly reel, we met up at a tackle shop. He was down servicing the tackle shop at home, and he, we sat down. We talked about it, and we've become very, very close. And we've field tested a lot of his prototypes, and uh, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. They're badass. We've caught a lot of fish on his, you know, a lot of billfish on his big reels and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely hear. I mean, there that name is out there for sure. They, he must be doing some good stuff there. He is, you know, but he's a small company in a big world. Right so. out. Of, he's out of Virginia. Out of Virginia Beach. Yep. Virginia Beach. There you go. Very cool. Okay, and let's just take it around as we kind of uh, take it out of here. Uh, so we we're just swinging around as far as the fishing and springtime, you know, and prepping for summer. When, when, what's that? When do you start guiding? When does that start for you? I start first of May. Yeah, first of May. At, at first of May, if people want to come here in April to Harker's Island, we'll run some trips mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, but in May, it's all inshore. It's all backcountry. Uh, the reds are still schooled up. The slot reds are still schooled up, and it's and then the trout, the speckled trout, show up, and then. Basically, my summer is family fishing. We do get some albies in the summer. They're small fish when the ocean's, you know, doable. And they usually show up at the end of June and are there all through the fall. And they're eating little bait. They can be, I mean, we're talking tiny stuff. It can be frustrating at times, but you can get some bites. And it's fun because you fish them with seven weights because they're five-pound fish. Yeah. 
And uh, so, and then, but it's mainly speckled trout and, and reds. And then we move on. We used to have a great shark fishery on Foix in the ocean. And I think the ocean water being a couple of degrees warmer overall in the summer is pushed them further north. I don't know. I'm going to plan on trying more of it this year. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of sharks are those? Mainly spinners and black tips. And, okay. uh, you know, using chum, and they're 30 feet from the boat. And oh, wow. They'll eat a fly. Yeah. And they're what size? How big are these fish? They used to be 25 to 50 pounds, which is freaking perfect. Yeah. Now they tend to be 80 to 200, which is too damn big. Oh man. So when you catch a, when you catch a shark, one of those sharks, how does that compare to a, um, some of these, like the false albacore? It's just different. They're fast. They jump and then it's bulldog. And quite frankly, the spinners, the first run, you hardly ever survive the first run just because when they jump, hence their name, they spin, they corkscrew in the air and they wrap your fly line up and you tip oh, it up wow. and they break it off, which is perfect. Yeah. Gosh. So the hookup, that's like the big part of it. Oh, yeah. The hookup in the first run. After that, it's all downhill. Yeah. You don't want to, I mean, when they, if you bring them in, release them, what's that like grabbing a shark? Uh, just grabbing it and grab the leader and pull hard. Yeah. I'm fishing barbless hooks and I'm fishing cheap hooks so they'll rust out in a matter of days. So, and they're really stupid, simple flies. Yeah. And, uh, little strippers, a little strip of rabbit and some marabou and you're good to go. Right. Do you ever hear of people, I mean, sharks out there, any sort of shark issues with like humans surfing or anything else like that? A little bit. You know, a few yeah. years ago, we had a lot of black tips and spinners right in, but they're small and they're not going to eat oh. you. Yeah, people, not gonna, yeah. people get nibbled on. Right. <laughs> I don't right. want to. I've been bit a couple of times, but. Uh, oh, really? You've been, you've been bit by a shark? Yeah, on my hands, trying to do stupid human stuff. Like while you're fishing, like releasing fish? Yeah. It, it, the little ones are the ones that won't get you. Mm. Uh, and uh, I didn't give him respect. I've still got a scar on top of my left hand. No kidding. Yeah. So he just slice. I mean, you barely just touch him, right? And they just slice you open? Yeah, he sliced me up pretty good. And uh, trying to show a kid what not to do. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> gotcha. Oh, man. Uh, but it's, you know... They're fine, but nah, you're more likely to get struck by lightning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's not, that's not a big worry. Okay. So, so that, and then, and then, yeah, so you get the family stuff, basically the family stuff being like, you're not out there like stripping flies. You're, you're, you got gear using with kids. A lot of our scenarios is the dad may want to fly fish or the mom mm. and the mm -hmm. kids don't. So we, we can do both at the same time. It's not a problem. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, that's part of the thing, right? You could go out on your own and go fishing, or you could take your family and, like, have the whole experience. And you guys yeah, and cater. Tell, that's cool. I tell guys, if they get their wife interested in fishing, they'll fish a lot more. Right. That is the key. Yep. 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 Man. Okay, so you guys do that during the summer. And then when do you start turning out where you're like, okay, this is now, it's fly only. We're kind of going hardcore. The October 1st. So that's it. And it can be, you know, it's like any saltwater fishing. It's very weather related, but it can be spectacular. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. It sounds like, uh, you know, heading out your way. Are there a lot of people guiding? Like when you retire here, is there, are there plenty of people oh, who yeah. are going to take your slot? Oh yeah. 
not a problem. Yeah. You got your crew out there. Yeah. Not so much in Nagset. You know, there's some kayak guides, fly guys who are really good. And actually their, their fly fishing is a lot better than mine. Huh. They can get into places I can't get into. Oh, right. And, uh, they've got good red fishing all summer and, uh, and the really shallow stuff. And, uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of fly guides up there. Mm. But here around Cape Verde, there are some exceptionally good young guides here. And I'm glad I don't have to go head-to-head with them every day because mm. we're good friends. But, man, they're good. You got right. to step your game up. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, there, are there local fly shops in your area around there? The only there's one in Manio and like I said it's OBX on the fly, mm-hmm. and then Cape Lookout Fly Shop is in Atlantic Beach, and then there's a new one, which I don't know anything about yet, open up in Swansboro. Mm. And other than that, your closest fly shop's going to be Raleigh, three hours away. Oh, three hours, yeah, right. Gotcha. Okay, and then then how far is uh, Chapel Hill? from the, the whole North Carolina. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours, yeah. It's right there, bunched up to Raleigh, you know. That's right. Are, are you a big uh, fan, basketball fan or sports fan? Yeah, but not of Carolina. Not Carolina. Who's your Who's your team? NC State. Oh, NC State, yeah. Jimmy uh, Valvano, right? That was the old yeah. back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. And, yeah, uh, so, you're not a, so you're not a Michael Jordan fan? I like Michael Jordan. He's an incredible basketball player, but I'm – I'm not a Carolina fan. No. There you go. Okay. So North Carolina state. That's right. And, uh, do you know much is North Carolina? I mean, it's a, it's a big state. Have you spent a lot of time just traveling around that state and just most of it? Yeah. So, you know, most of it and there's lots, I mean, that's the cool thing about North Carolina. There's lots of diversity of of fishing. Yeah. I go to the Western part of the state a couple of times a year and make a fool. And I have a, a client who owns a fly shop up in, uh, cashiers and brookings anglers and we'll go up there and trout fish up there which can be spectacular mm. and that's what i'm learning now we'll go up there in march march okay is, march is a really good month there as long as the rivers don't get blown out and uh it's fun i like floating you know I like the photography aspect of it but the, the fishing's good and even an idiot like me can catch them nice that is great. So you are getting, so you, as you get older, you're, you're thinking maybe the trout fishing will do a little more of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a cool part of the, the, you're, yeah, it's a cool part because you have all the salt stuff, but like you said, you just go inland towards, yeah, towards Tennessee, right? And you run into all sorts of the mountains. Yeah. It's about eight hours away, but eight that's hours, right, but still. Yeah. Perfect. Well, anything else? I mean, if somebody was coming in here or somebody's listening now and they really wanted to get out and chase some of these fish, get on the salt, or if they were, maybe they were coming, maybe they had a trip in October, what would you be telling, you know, them uh, about getting ready? Uh, well, you know, obviously you need rain gear. Mm. Uh, if you don't have a nine weight and you don't regularly fish salt, don't buy one. I've got plenty. Yeah. They could use your sage. Yeah, I could use my tackle. I, I've got the flies, and uh, I prefer my flies. Unless some of my clients, I steal the hell out of their flies. But, mm-hmm. you know, you need – and you need to touch base three or four days before you come. Because if the weather's bad, I'm going to turn you around. And there ain't no sense to come down here and sit in a motel for three days and watch it blow. No. Gotcha. 
So you you have to reschedule. Yeah. We'll try to reschedule, but uh, yeah, and just do a weather check, and mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Basically, yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, we're and if you got questions, email is great for me because I get up early, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm, I'm always checking my emails. And, okay, uh, what was that email again? Remind us again. It was uh, if we want to track you down there. Obxff54 at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay, good. Well, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And, and do you ever have people come as groups like a, um, kind of like a hosted trip if you had people coming down to do yeah. it? Yeah. You can handle that. Yep. But you got to give me, you know, some time right, uh, to arrange some, arrange some other boats for sure. Okay. All right. And is your wife going to be, um, st- sticking with it or she's going to be retiring with you when you head out? No, she's sticking with me. She's a lot younger than I am. Okay. So there you go. So you're still going to have the business going there. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. This is good. So that's good to know. And if, if we ever no, I'm all to do it, I'm committed now yeah. for, for at least four more years. Okay. So you're going to be doing it four more years. Yeah. Perfect. At least. All right. Cause we got a couple, we, we got a couple of guys here in their eighties. Oh, yeah. wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Is it pretty, I mean, you got some rough waters at times, but it, it's not like you're hiking, hiking a lot, right? It's pretty, no, you're just pretty getting, casual. You're just getting your ass handed to you with chop and rough. Oh, chop. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised they haven't figured that out yet with like, how do you build something? Maybe the standing, something in that, that goes against the chop that makes it easier. Do they have anything like that? They do on bigger boats. It's called a uh, uh, sea keeper. Okay. And that's where like the flexible floor or something like that. No, it's uh, actually a gyro system in in the uh, oh, in the whole boat. Yeah, right. Gotcha. That, yeah, that sounds like because I've been out there, man. I remember a number of years ago, I was out with a crazy buddy who had like a seventeen foot sled, and he took us way out in the ocean, and it got windy on us, and we came back against the chop, and it was just backbreaking. Welcome to my world. That's it. You you do that every day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sea keepers in these boats uh, probably cost five times what my boat costs. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, your boat isn't cheap. I'm sure your boat is a pretty penny, right? Yes. Nice. All right. Well, I'll put, um, like we said, outerbanksflyfishing.com, right, is the website? Yep. Okay. And I'm on Instagram. Okay, uh, what's your Instagram? Brian Horsley. Brian Horsley, okay. And on Facebook, we're Outerbanks fly fishing on facebook that gets more traffic than my website yeah okay we'll, we'll we'll track you down on social as well and yeah i'll put some links out to all this and we'll we'll track down maybe we'll we'll track down real action as well it sounds like that's a good group i've heard a lot about them no it's a great group it's first class good okay all right brian well thanks for giving us a little intro into uh, your world and, and fishing out there i think there's uh, sounds like a pretty awesome opportunity to get some uh, albies you know i mean like just the hookup just to feel that would be pretty cool it sounds like so that is cool it's very cool all right brian well thanks for your time today i'll check back with you when we get this ready to roll all right thank you so there it is coming in across that bar coming across that landing that inlet uh, safe Calm seas today. We've got calm seas on board. That was a great episode. Brian broke down here on uh, fishing the outer banks. Wetflyswing.com slash 409. 409. That's where you need to go to get the extras, the videos, 
the podcasts, everything bonus we have is uh, is at wetflyswing.com slash 409. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Lee Potter. Lee reached out uh, on email and said he loved the main fly fishing episode. Uh, Lee also mentioned about a, a potential future episode on the Rapid River. We didn't note that Lee mentioned that in this episode, but there are some things going on with bass, and I am going to work on that right now. If you know somebody that knows the Rapid River well, maybe knows about what's going on with the bass um, effects on the area up there or just knows about fishing that river, please let me know, Dave at wetflyswing.com. And I'll give you a shout on this episode. That's the best way, just like Lee here. If you want to get a shout out and you haven't connected to me before, uh, this is your opportunity. Dave at wetflyswing.com. Send me an email and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to share, uh, give you a shout out here on the episode. Okay, let's take a look. Let's take a look where we're heading. I love to look out because I'm always uh, wondering myself. (laughs) So we got got, uh, next week... Next week, we got, uh, man, I'm not even sure. Actually, as I look out, you know what I'm going to look out towards? I'm going to look out two weeks ahead because we got something big coming up here, which is the Euro Nipping giveaway. Um, I want to give a heads up on that because that's coming right around the corner. So if you're interested in in a bunch of gear, potentially winning a bunch of gear, you want to hear about this trip where we're going and you've been thinking about Euro Nipping maybe up in your game to get it up to the pro level, we are going to have the best guides pretty much in the country. They're going to be leading this school event that we're doing, and uh, and I would love to see you there. All right, it is definitely a late one. I don't even want to talk about what time it is, but it is late in the night on a good night. It's a calm night out there, so I'm loving it, and I hope you, I hope, I hope you, I hope, I, I hope to see you Hope I can catch you on maybe that trip, maybe that Euro Niffing trip, or if not, catch me online. Let me know, Dave at Webfly Swing. And I hope you are having a good evening, a good morning, or a good afternoon, wherever in the world you are. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.